welcome back to Virtually Illegal. Today's episode is actually the last in our mini-series, so let's hope we go out with a bang and what's better than discussing the LPC. It was only fair as the SQE did get some airtime. We thought it would be a great episode as I'm starting the LPC in September and I'm sure many of you listeners are too. Not only is Molly with us today, a recent LPC grad, but we have Shannon Tong, a trainee from a national law firm who did the accelerated LPC. So over to Shannon. Thanks, Abby. Really excited to be here today on the Virtually Legal podcast. So I'll just start off by introducing myself a bit further. Like Abby said, I am a trainee at a national firm and I'm currently in my first seat. I did do the accelerated LPC in 2020, which was probably the most dramatic year of our lives. But aside from the drama, I was really happy to have gotten from 84 to 94 in my core modules and finished the LPC with a distinction. Slightly different grades to what you're used to at undergrad, so... Oh yeah, definitely. I would never get that kind of grades on your undergrad or, or you'd be probably a genius if you were achieving (laughs) that at your undergrad we're going to go on to later what the differences are between undergrad and LPC but I would personally say that that was one of the biggest shockers for me was like generally how much higher the grades are maybe I just became a genius overnight but I don't (laughs) think that was it (laughs) um so Shannon how we found you found you that that was signed to mm-hmm. sound slightly creepy how he found you was was via your um amazing instagram account can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so i make i guess legal content on instagram and on youtube as well it's kind of like an online blog i just am sharing insights into my work life as a trainee trying to help other aspiring lawyers by sharing my past experiences what i've learned from those experiences and any tips or advice i can give from that um it's kind of a lockdown hobby but i've enjoyed doing it so much and speaking of my instagram i also have an lpc guide on my instagram so if anyone wants to check that out that's on my page and it basically has all my lpc related posts and your and we will link your page later but for your page for listeners is it is shannon tong with a double g at the end perfect shameless bit of self-promotion that's what we're here for (laughs) do it (laughs) i feel like we do similar things except for abby and i do like legal content but we're not prepared to look nice when we do it like i'm very much sat here in gym gear so the podcast kind of fit us a bit better because you can can hide behind the screens (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um so how this episode is going to work is abby as she's about to start her lbc is basically going to fire some questions at Shannon and I. We'll do our best to answer them. And hopefully by the end of this, you'll be feeling a little bit more reassured. So Abby, take it away. Yeah, so I guess I know we've touched on this slightly, but I guess the biggest thing for me is how does it compare to undergrad? Because I've done that for the last four years. So um, is there anything I need to change sort of in preparation, seminars, workshops? Um, But I guess I'll pass it over to you. What is it really like? I think it's really, really different from your undergrad. Um, The undergrad is so academic and it's, you know, so much focuses on kind of 
legal reasoning and case law and things like that whereas I found the LPC to be really really practical instead so it actually focuses on how you would apply the law kind of the processes you would need to follow to achieve certain things what the court rules are the different kind of legislation and regulations that solicitors have to abide by so the content is very very different and I think the content is a bit less challenging compared to undergrad. I think in undergrad, you're really trying to get your head around these different judgments and concepts, whereas the LPC is more straightforward, but I think the workload is is a lot heavier and it certainly Mm. was for me because I even did the accelerated course. Um, How did you find it, Molly? Um, I actually preferred it to undergrad, you know. So basically when I started the LPC, I think this is useful to mention. I'd, maybe it's really stupid. I didn't even know what courses I was going to be doing, like what mo- what modules. <laughs> well prepared there, Molly. <laughs> I just didn't think to ask anybody. And then I turned up and I was like, wow, what, what, what lecture is this? So basically, it's broken down into core modules and electives. So your core modules are going to be real estate, business law, dispute resolution and introduction to professional practice, which is like legal research, interviewing, all that jazz. Um, And then later on, you get to kind of build your own course by choosing your electives. Um, If you're being sponsored by a firm, they might have a bit of input. But if not, there's plenty of information out there to help you choose. Um, And then how it actually works is at university, you were kind of like fed information in the form of lectures. And that was for me, like the main source of where I got my learning but it's kind of like reversed on the LPC. So you have these Mm. things called workshops, which are much like seminars, except for you prep for them beforehand. And you're probably going to be doing about seven to eight hours prep, which is going to be a combination of reading and tasks. Per workshop. Yeah. And then, so I, so I was only having like four workshops a week Okay. and, and they're two hours. So it's like seven to eight hours prep per workshop plus the two-hour workshop itself, times hours, four. Yeah, 40 hours. Yeah, exactly. So it works out just like a oh, working week, bad. basically. So I'm getting you need to be organised. <laughs> you have to be so organised. I think organisation is literally key to the LPC. I mean, I think we're going to get more into it later, but time management, so, so, so key. Mm. If you can kind of become an expert in the way you manage your time, you will probably find the LPC so much easier. And organisation's also key when it comes to exams and how Mm. you approach that. I don't want to speak Mm. too soon, but I am slightly anal about my time. So fingers crossed that's only a good thing. (laughs) That's going to work in your favour. I think the other thing before we move on that's last, like worth mentioning, is that universities like BPP and ULaw aren't universities in the sense that like they're not going to have a cheerleading team swimming team all the different societies that a normal university would have like they're just focused on law Mm. so you're going to have law related activities like pro bono and stuff but basically like don't expect to be joining a football team when you arrive It's definitely it's definitely not the typical university experience. But I think the other side of that as well is because they are kind of 
schools that focus on on teaching the law and preparing the next generation of lawyers they have so much career support and resources um in that area so something that i actually didn't find out about until after i left the university <laughs> yeah but hopefully i'll i'll share it now so that other people will have access to it is that if you go to the university of law they actually have a bank of interview experiences from other students so they'll you know say been to a paralegal interview at a firm or a training contract interview and they'll literally like write their experience how they found it the kind of questions or what advice they would have for a similar interview and when I found out about this my jaw dropped because I was like this is such an incredible resource and I don't know why you know not that many people seem to know about it but you know if you go to university of law definitely keep an eye out for that so useful so I guess obviously we've talked about how it's different to undergrad and you did say there is like pro bono and in other legal related activities but as you said you have to be pretty organized so is there actually time for me to do any pro bono or um is that sort of a forbidden fruit I don't think I would have had time to fit that in at all on the accelerated course um it is very very full on the accelerated course and I think you know even if you're looking to do things like prepare for training contract applications networking etc it will be a real real challenge to fit that in alongside the accelerated and the accelerated is nine months compared to 12 or it's six months so even shorter than that six times compared to nine yeah I think I've got 12 in my head because I'm doing the masters so that's 12 months I would say my, I'd actually say my experience was like different, but obviously I just did the normal one. I can imagine that doing the accelerated one would be ridiculous. Um, But like I was saying earlier, it it does work out at about 40 to 45 hours a week. But actually I was really, really strict and just said, I just want to be doing LPC Monday to Friday and I want my weekends clear to do stuff and it does mean that like sometimes you can be doing like you can be working till like six seven but I had my Friday Saturday Sunday off yeah off exactly to do stuff so I think if you look at it like that and if you're prepared to be like strict with yourself and like be in uni for half eight nine like it is manageable Mm. but the accelerated LPC might be a different beast altogether tips for time management I would say things like have your have your to-do list ready for the week ahead like I blocked out my time Mm -hmm. so I was doing the same thing at the same times every week and I would say always within the week add in like maybe a three-hour slot for like flexible time so for instance if some if something's like taking you longer than you thought you can be like okay I'll spend half an hour doing this tomorrow in my flexible time period, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know how you guys actually manage your time, but I am a sucker for iCalendar because I can make it all look colourful and colour-coded with my different modules. So I have like a... I have a podcast tab. I honestly think it's my new best friend. It's so good to use like one on your computer as opposed to a handwritten one, I think, because kind of similar along the lines of what Molly was saying about having that flexible time when you've got a 
calendar on your phone or computer you can literally just move your time blocks mm. to the next day like oh I've not done this I'm going to move everything forward one day and it's you know if you had a paper calendar you'd be like crossing it out it looks yeah. so messy sometimes it's a devil only because if I'm like oh I get to the end of the day and I get a bit tired I just move it to tomorrow but then by the end of the week you either have a busy Friday or that is your motivation so I was found definitely especially if I'm busy have a Friday night plan because then it forces you to get all your other work done before Friday. That's a good idea. So Abby's answer to time management is going out for drinks every Friday. Cool. (laughs) Love that. That's the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess that is our tips. Any other tips before we move on? Because so I really agree with your approach Molly of having your to-do list every week and noting down what you need to do and I found it was so useful to really commit to what it is you're going to do and the kind of rule I guess that I set myself every week is that I would use the first half of the week to consolidate so after the workshops Mm. I'd go over the workshop activities I'd start preparing my exam notes on that topic and then the second half of the week I'd focus on preparing for the next week I think the most helpful thing to be doing in terms of time management is always look a week ahead know what's on your plate for next week make sure you're prepared because I think what happens is Mm. if you fall behind on either of those things either your consolidation or your prep you're just sabotaging yourself like you will get so so behind if you get into the habit of doing that so Mm. I think you need to work out you know how you're going to split your time between prep and consolidation and you really have to commit to it And that's why I think iCalendars are quite handy because for me, even with seminars in final year, I put all my seminars in for the the entire term. So when I was looking at planning my time, I knew what work I needed to get done for the next week because the worst thing is if you get to Monday morning, you're like, oh, I haven't prepped for my seminar on Tuesday morning. I mean, it's workable at uni, but maybe not seven hour prep for the LPC, so... (laughs) I would like to point out at this point, the podcast is not sponsored by iCalendar (laughs) with how much it's been mentioned. I use Google Calendar. Okay, so we've got... And and also, I guess... We've got competing calendars. We do. I guess we'll have to fight it out to the end, but... um, I've honestly, I've been shy to say this, but I'm very much sat here with a handwritten diary in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm that person. We really have done a calendar session rather than the LPC episode, but maybe that is a great way to segue into the more serious side of the LPC, and that is the dreaded assessments. And I've known from my minimal research, maybe slightly more than Molly, because I do know what modules I have to do, but <laughs> I've seen ULaw has a, well, a mixture of sort of, S, not essays, but writing activities and then oral assessments that is definitely something that I haven't done much of bar maybe one or two in um, university so how did you find those? It's definitely different Um, you have like an interviewing assessment where you basically have to interview the assessor you've got an advocacy assessment where you're kind of paired up with someone and you have I guess a mock court hearing in front of the assessor so those are very very different although I did find those assessments were less intense than the examinations I think that because those they're not 
graded in the sense that you get like a number you just you know you either pass or fail so there's a bit less pressure with the those skills assessments I felt yeah I'd agree I'd also say that where where earlier we were talking about like obviously you're not guaranteed 100% or anything but they want you to hit the nail on the head and you get so much support it's definitely I think starting the LPC it's probably the one people are most nervous about because it's this big unknown. Obviously, no one's done advocacy before unless you did it at undergrad. Um, but they give you so much support to the point of, I would say, hand-holding. So- yeah, I think a lot of the LPC is like that as well. Um, I kind of found the teaching on the LPC to be twofold. A, they're teaching you the actual content, so they're teaching you the law. But B, they're also teaching you how to pass the assessments. Um <laughs> If you've ever done the LPC or if you're going to do it, one word you will hear all the time are checklists, 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 checklists everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And the two just basically give you these checklists and they are kind of like an exam structure. The I found, I think this is another thing that the LPC is different to the undergrad, but the marking criteria is very prescriptive like you have to have written you know kind of exactly what they want to get those say two marks and if you you know skip through the basics when you're answering a question you're going to lose those two marks and the tutors checklists are so helpful with that because they'll set out you know you have to start with this point then you move on to this etc and following that will help you you know pick Mm. up every single mark in the exam. So Shannon how did you prepare for the exams like organizing folders were you I haven't looked far enough back but were you one of those people that posted about reams and reams of tabs upon tabs in textbooks because that that stressed me out I am the opposite of that person if you asked me you know how many tabs is too many tabs I would say anything over 10 tabs is too many tabs and I think the key as well to preparing for exams is you have to find out what works best for you some people love tabs I personally think it's so stressful to have a textbook with just tabs coming out of every single side of it how, how are you even going to know which tab is what um, so what I actually do is I just put everything in my notes so I prepared what I called my exam notes which I was like this is my exam notes document this is one of the only documents I'm going to take to the exam it's all going to be organized so I'm not going to be flipping around everywhere and what I did was cross-referenced in my notes instead so if I was writing about a certain topic say relief from sanctions then I would put page 52 so I would know if I I'm looking at my exam notes oh I need more information than what's on my notes I can be like right I need to flip to page 52 and I just found that works so much better for me than having tabs everywhere and to be fair the thing that I really liked about that was I found it very like here's your textbook here's the reading you have to do do it pass the exam whereas at undergrad I found it a bit more like find your own judgments do your own research maybe you'll come across the information you need and maybe you won't. <laughs> I was like, that that made me very stressed the whole time. Whereas because it is quite prescriptive, it is like, if you're learning about one thing, it's chapter 14 and 15. If you know that, yeah. you can do it. So, but I don't know about BPP, but ULAW's um, exams were open book, which was new to me. So the thing you need to be doing is not having everything 
like completely to memory you should definitely understand everything mm. but like Shannon says nowhere to find things is mm-hmm. absolute key for LPC exams nowhere to find things and yeah. also second tip refer back to your workshop outcomes I always thought they were just nice things that lecturers like to put <laughs> but they are really really indicative of what you're going to be assessed on and I would make your own syllabus out of workshop outcomes and then when you're revising go through them and be like can I do this can I do this and when you can tick everything off you're ready Mm -hmm. yeah I 100% agree with that I think the other thing that really helped me as well um is before the exam test your notes be familiar or whatever it is you're using if you've got a hard copy folder be so familiar with it know where you can find everything like you know you know whatever answer is in workshop four and you know where within your notes it is so I kind of practiced using my notes by taking my notes taking the workshop questions and then answering those using my notes and then the other thing I did as well is I prepared written full written answers to the workshop activities and the mock exam and I included those in my notes so I would have you know essentially a precedent of how to answer a certain type of question that I could um, refer to. Do you have a final a final tip a final little nugget of information a piece of advice for someone that someone like Abby you might say who is about to embark on the LPC? I think it's so cliche but I think you need to do what works for you you need to work out what that is and then commit to it throughout the course and there there are so many different ways you can figure that out you know listening to podcasts like this you know you've heard from me and Molly about how we approach things you know go on LinkedIn Instagram see what other people have been doing and how they've approached the LPC the other useful thing to do is is a bit cheeky but if you can get a hold of what people call legacy notes oh, which are basically yeah, about those. yeah <laughs> notes from people in past cohorts I don't advise to solely use those notes I know some people do I don't like that approach but looking at those is really useful because you can see this is how somebody in the past has structured their notes and helped them get a distinction I'm going to try write my notes in that way and see if it helps me So that concludes the final episode of our mini-series. Hopefully, after that, you're feeling a bit more prepared than I was on my first day, but I know I set the bar pretty low. So if you're looking for just a couple of things to take away from the episode, here is what you need. Firstly, time management is key. Find out what works for you, but stick to it and be disciplined. Secondly, make the most of the university's resources, be that templates, precedents, or banks of work directed at TC applications. They're literally invaluable. Lastly, make good notes on the workshop tasks and pay attention to the workshop outcomes. Like I said, they're very indicative of what you'll be examined on. If you've been following us for a while, you know that we have a LinkedIn and Instagram account. We've decided to dedicate a lot more time to the Instagram, so head over there if you want more daily content from Abby and me.